All right, well, hey, everybody, welcome to Eaglebrook Church. Really good to have you with us today. I hope that worship was a time for you to kind of block out the distractions of your life and to really connect with God. We, we all need that in our life on at least a weekly kind of basis. Uh, today, we are beginning a brand new series that is going to highly challenge about 95% of you. 5% of you are like my parents, and you own a flip phone or you don't own a smartphone of any kind. And let me just say to you, hang in there. Okay? Don't sell out. As the millennials would say, you just do you. I never know exactly what that means, and it makes me anxious about doing me, but, but you just do you, and we are behind you 100%. But even if you are in that situation in life where you own a flip phone or you don't own a smartphone, I still think the principles of this series are going to apply to your life. The series is called Left to Our Own Devices, and we're going to ask the question, how are our phones changing us? I got the idea for this series this past year when I was reading through a book by Tony Reinke called 12 Ways That Your Phone Is Changing You. I've used this book uh, in this message. Now today I want to begin by asking you a series of questions, and you don't have to ask, answer these questions out loud, but I want you to think about your answers in your head and give yourself one point for every time you answer yes. So the first question is this, how many of you are bummed when you forget to bring your phone with you to the bathroom? <laughs> you get to the bathroom, like, where's my phone? What am I gonna do for the next minute or so? If you bring your phone with you to the bathroom, give yourself one point. Question number two, how many of you sleep next to your phone? So it's in your bedroom, on your nightstand, laying right next to you in your hand, have to pry it out with the jaws of life. One person was telling me recently that the new definition of marriage ought to be two people who lay next to each other in bed looking at their phones before they go to sleep. It's pretty much what people do. Here's the question number three. How many of you check your phone first thing in the morning? Like you're not going to the bathroom, you're not brushing your teeth, you might get the coffee started. But as crazy as this sounds, you don't even drink a cup of coffee until you are looking around for your phone. Who texted me? Who emailed me? What happened in the world while I was sleeping? Give yourself a point if that's you. Question number four. How many of you have ever sent a tweet at the dinner table? Tweet, text message, Instagram, Snapchat. I've done this. I got in trouble for this. My wife's like, you can't send a tweet at the dinner table. If you've done that, give yourself one point. A question number five. How many of you have learned the art of texting under the table while maintaining eye contact with someone? All teenagers are geniuses at this. They just were born. If you were born like after the year 2000, you just knew how to do this automatically. But even if you're an adult, if you're in a meeting and you notice that your boss is looking at you while they're talking, you can, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when they look at someone else, you're like right back down here on your phone texting. If you've ever done that, give yourself a point. Here's the final question. If your spouse or your parents probably or maybe a roommate says to you, hey, put your phone down for a second or I need you to put that down and just listen to me. Give yourself one point if your most common response is, just a second, just a second, I just need to finish this, I'm almost done, let me just finish this game, I'm doing so well. Give yourself two points if your most common response is, huh? <laughs> you, you say something? And you go right back 
to your phone. If you answered yes to one or more of those questions, then this series is really going to help you a lot. If you answered yes to more than three of those, consider this your intervention, okay? <laughs> you have major issues, and we're just going to deal with them in a group setting, all right? The iPhone was introduced to the world in 2007 by Steve Jobs at the Macworld Expo. That was only 11 years ago. 11 years later, the average adult checks their phone every 4.3 waking minutes, which means that some of you are going to check your phones about eight times while I'm speaking. And that really is going to irritate me. I'm just going to tell you that. <laughs> but it's not surprising because that little phone that's in your pocket or your purse has 30,000 times the processing speed of the onboard computer that led Apollo 13 into space. And it's in your pocket or your purse. That's why many of us rely on our phones for everything. We rely on our phones to entertain us with clips from YouTube. We watch TV or movies on our phone. We listen to music. We play video games. We take and send videos to other people and pictures broadcast on social media, check the weather, use the calculator, and an assortment of other functions. It's no wonder that Time Magazine named the iPhone the most influential gadget of all time. A technological breakthrough, they said, that is going to have repercussions for decades to come. What are those repercussions? Well, we're not exactly sure yet, but it did pique my attention in 2010 when an interviewer asked Steve Jobs, hey, your kids must just love the new iPad. iPad had just come out. Steve Jobs had his own children. And so the interviewer said, oh, your kids just must be loving the iPad. Here was Steve Jobs' response. They haven't used it. We limit how much technology our kids use at home. You do? Joni Ives, who's vice president at Apple, admitted in an interview that he has very strict limitations around his kids' screen time. Bill Gates from Microsoft has three kids. He did not allow them to have a phone until they were 14 years old. And even after that, he had very strong limitations around how and when they used that phone. Kind of makes you wonder about your own screen time, doesn't it? kind of makes you wonder about your kids' screen time. One author put it this way. He said, we don't know what our smartphones are doing to us, but they are changing us. That much is clear. That's the question we're going to attempt to answer in this series. How are our phones changing us? One of the ways that researchers say that our phones are beginning to change us as a culture and as people is that we are becoming more and more distracted. In 2013, 63% of Americans said that they checked Facebook daily. Just one year later, in 2014, that number had gone up to 70%. In fact, the average Facebook user, so by Facebook user, I mean Facebook's product line, which is Facebook, Instagram, Messenger, the average Facebook user spends 50 minutes a day on Facebook. That's just the average. If you're spending like 15 minutes or 20 minutes, there's someone out there who's spending well over an hour. 
the average adds up to six hours a week. If you live to be 85 years old and you are an average Facebook user, you will have spent 26,520 hours of your life on Facebook. Can you imagine standing before God one day and you are on the judgment seat of Christ and he says to you, how did you use the one and only life that I gave you? I gave you 24 hours a day for 85 years. What did you do? And I am going to have to stand before God and say, well, I used 26,520 of them on Facebook. And that's just Facebook. If you take all other social media like YouTube and Twitter, so we're not even talking like you know, GPS and internet and that kind of thing using your phone. We're just talking social media. You will have spent over 59,000 hours of your life on social media. That adds up to 2,500 full 24-hour days. Now, just so you know, I'm right with you. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. When it's the NBA draft week, like it was this past week, I'm on ESPN.com, Hoops Hype, like every day. So I am right with you in this. But here's the question I want you to ask and ask myself as well. And that is, is that how we want to spend our time? Or have we become addicted to the mindless scroll? As I was putting together this message, I was thinking, what, what verse from the Bible am I going to teach on? Because, of course, the Bible doesn't speak about iPhones or Facebook directly. But it does talk a lot about distraction. In fact, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus goes over to the house of two sisters, Martha and Mary. And he's going to have dinner at their house. And it says that Mary, she sat at the feet of Jesus. She wanted to learn about him and, and know his teaching. It says that Martha, her sister, was in the kitchen, and she was just preparing, and she wasn't even paying any attention to Jesus. In fact, look at what it says in verse 40. It says, but Martha was distracted. She was what? She was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Just think about this. Here's the most influential man who will ever walk on planet Earth. And he is sitting 10 feet away in your living room. And you are not paying him any attention at all. Now we hear that and we think, oh, well, if Jesus were actually sitting in my living room, of course I would give him my full attention. But the truth is, in some way, Jesus Christ is in your living room. He's also in your kitchen, car, or office. He's also in your classroom or ball field or out on your deck. You see, when Jesus Christ ascended back to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit of God, is everywhere. Look at what David writes about this in Psalm 139. He says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. And our translators have added these exclamation points to let you know that David's not bothered by this. Some people are like, oh, God sees everything I do. He knows everywhere I'm going. That is an immature view of God. That's like a teenager who knows they're living in disobedience, and so they reject all forms of authority like parents and teachers. David's not like that. David is praising God for the fact that wherever he goes, wherever he is, he can talk to God. That in some sense, 
Jesus Christ is in your living room, but like Martha, many of us are distracted. What are we distracted by? Well, for a lot of us, it's this little device right here. Our distraction comes in the form of email, comes in the form of text messages, it comes in the form of meeting notifications. As I was trying to write this message, my phone kept buzzing. Text message, meeting notification, then my computer pinged to tell me that I'm receiving an email. How is anybody supposed to give God their undivided attention or be productive when there's always a buzz, ping, bing, bling, tweet, twit, face bit, or face bit going off in your face? Not a face bit, is it? I blew that one. That was a great joke. It's a fit bit. That killed at the four o'clock service last night. I think I, I think I just got too excited there. Uh, I want you to look at what God says in Psalm 46. And I love this verse. This is going to speak right to some of you. Be still and know that I am God. When my wife was going through a time in her life where she was a little bit more anxious than normal. She's pregnant. We have four kids who are home from school for the summer, obviously. And she was just going through this season where it was just a little bit more anxious than normal. This was the verse that she would meditate on every morning. That before the kids got up and before the day got crazy, she would just remind herself, be still. And know that he is God. Know that he can be trusted. Know that he is in control of your life. Be still and know that he is God. Let me ask you, when was the last time that you were still? And there was no phone, and there was no email, and there was no text message, and there was no Instagram, and there was no need to take a picture, hashtag no filter, hashtag be still, hashtag getting my Jesus on. (laughs) It was just you and God. It was just you and Jesus. And you were just still. And you knew that he was God. Every single one of us needs that in our life. We need these moments where we're cutting away from the distractions and we are allowing God to speak into our life and to fill us with his truth and his love and his wisdom and his guidance. And friends, I am telling you, you don't get that on Facebook. There's no app that you can buy that will get you that. You can only find that kind of peace and that kind of connection to God when you cut out all the distractions of your life and you spend alone time with God. But that takes discipline. It doesn't take any discipline just to go like this on your phone, which is why so many people do it, but it takes discipline to pick a time, pick a place, figure out what you're going to read in the Bible and to ignore the distractions and the beeps and the pings and the buzzes. In fact, let me give you two reasons why it takes more discipline to spend time with God than it does to spend time on your phone. The first one is this. It is easier to tweet than it is to pray. I saw that quote by Tim Keller, ironically on Twitter. And they had asked him this question. They said, why is it that you think young people today are struggling to see God as a personal reality in their life? 
And Keller's response was, well, it's easier to tweet than it is to pray. I think he's right. I get emails and questions from college-age students and young adults, and one of the questions that I get the most often is they will say, well, I'm just not feeling my faith. I just don't feel close to God. I don't feel like he's working in my life. And the way I used to respond to that question is I used to say things like, well, faith isn't a feeling. Feelings come and go. You can't rely upon your feelings. And that's still true. But more and more, I've started to ask a follow-up question. I will say, tell me a little bit about your prayer life. And what I am finding, not all the time, but some of the time, is they pray like they tweet. 280 characters, on the run, just throw it up there. God, help me ace this test. Lord, I hope she says yes when I ask her out on that date. But there's not a whole lot of be still and know that I am God. And who can blame them? Because every time they try to be still and know that he is God, there's this little attention-starved device beeping and buzzing and pinging, saying, hey, come look at me. There's something more important over here. Years ago, I was speaking at an outdoor festival in Wisconsin, and the schedule of the lineup was Jeremy Sinoski, who's one of our worship leaders now on staff here at Eagle Brook. His band was playing first. And then I was going to come up and speak after that for a half hour. And then after me was this band called Super Chick. And they were a pretty popular Christian band several years ago. So Sanofsky gets up there and he just shreds it on his electric guitar. I mean, he just gets the crowd in a frenzy. And as he's walking off the platform, he says to me, he goes, I don't know how you're going to do it. <laughs> he's like, you're going to have to keep their attention using just your voice. He's like, all you got is your vocal cords. He's like, at least I had an electric guitar. <laughs> okay, thanks, Jeremy. So I go up there to try to speak, and it's actually going pretty well. I, I feel like people are engaged and dialing in, and towards the end, it starts to get more emotional. And I can feel God's spirit moving, and people are thinking about their life and about their death, and so I'm about to lead them in a prayer to receive Jesus Christ into their life. And right as I'm about to do this, Super Chick's tour bus pulls up off to the right. And Super Chick starts getting off of the bus. And so I am saying, you know, if you want to receive Jesus Christ, all of a sudden this kid in the second row, he stands up, he goes, Super Chick! And all of a sudden all these other kids are like, oh, Super Chick! And all the parents are looking around, you know, confused as to what's going on. I could not compete with Super Chick. I'm not sure that God could compete with Super Chick in that moment. Let me ask you, what does God have to compete with in your life? For, for a lot of us, it's our phone. If my phone is in my pocket and it buzzes, everything else in my life is on hold. I mean, hold on a second, God. Hang on a second, kids. My leadership team meeting can go on without my attention. I have to check this text message. Super chick just pulled up. I was listening to another pastor talk about this, and he was on a plane ride home, and he was going to read his Bible. But the guy next to him was watching a movie on his iPad. And so whenever he would try to read the Bible and reflect on what it was saying, 
there would be this explosion of light coming from the iPad in the seat next to him. Something blew up. There was an inferno of fire. Beautiful people dressed in provocative ways. Screaming and laughter and waves of sound. And this pastor looked at his Bible, leather bound, with words printed on a piece of paper. And he had this thought. He said, my Bible can't compete. My Bible cannot compete with the sensory overload that is taking place in the seat next to me. Researchers are now noting that our minds, our eyes, and our ears are more and more becoming addicted to sensory overload. That our minds are craving, our eyes are craving pixels of light dancing before them at all times. Need to have a video game or a screen and lights just going like this. That our minds are becoming addicted to waves of sound crashing over them. We are not used to silence. We are the generation of the fast forward button, skip ad, instant pots, microwavable foods. If I'm trying to connect to the internet and it's taking more than 10 seconds, I'm like, what a joke. The, the internet here just is terrible. No, never mind is trying to get up to space and back. Can you give it 15 seconds to get up into space and back? No, 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 I can't do that because my senses need to be engaged at all times. What effect is this having on us as a society? Well, again, the research is brand new on this, but there's been many significant studies that have come out in the last couple of years that have noticed a strong correlation between how much time you spend on your phone and anxiety and depression. Now, who knows which one of those two things comes first? But what they're noticing is the more time you spend on your phone, the more prone you are to have anxiety or depression. It's interesting that when the Bible gives us a prescription against anxiety, it said, do not be anxious about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Notice he doesn't say, do not be anxious about anything, but tweet about everything. Let people know what your opinions are on every issue. No, 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 it doesn't say that. But it's easier to tweet than it is to pray. Yes, it is. But your phone is not the answer to your worry and to your fear. What is the answer? Well, this isn't the only answer for some of you, but it's part of the answer for all of us. It's to be still and to know that he is God. To have the peace of God in your life and in your heart. I was reading Psalm 32 this week, and it said, Therefore, let everyone who is faithful pray to God immediately. When great floodwaters come, they will not reach you. I read that, and right away I circled the word immediately. If you are here today, and it feels like floodwaters are rising in your life, and you say, I am having a hard time keeping my head above water. I just feel overwhelmed, I feel anxious, I feel worried and full of fear, I feel like there's this ache in my heart, you need to set down your phone immediately, and you need to pray to God. Your phone can get you from point A to point B, it can tell you what the weather is or what the score of the Twins game was, but what your phone cannot do is give you the peace of God in your life. 
Yes, it's easier to tweet than it is to pray. But tweeting does not keep the floodwaters away. Here's the second reason why it takes more discipline to spend time with God than it does to, or to, spend, yeah, to spend time with God than it does to spend time on your phone. It's this. It's easier to scroll than it is to reflect. Researchers are noting that our phones are causing us to lose the ability to think and deeply and critically about issues. That we're used to scanning things. We're used to just going really quick, seeing this, seeing that, just kind of scanning and pulling information, bits and pieces here and there. But we're not used to looking at something and thinking deeply and longly about it. Think about some of the most controversial issues of our day. For example, did you hear Yanni or did you hear Laurel? Do you remember when that was like a big issue? There was this voice recording and some people heard Laurel and some people heard Yanni and people were sharing it on Facebook everywhere and wondering how you heard something different. For the record, I heard Laurel and if you heard Yanni, I think you're a bit crazy, but then we moved on to the next issue, which was this. Is this dress black and blue or is it white and gold? Some people saw white and gold. I see black and blue, but people were talking about that issue. And then we moved on. Is this raccoon going to make it to the top of that building? (laughs) I'm really nervous about this. Is he going to make it? One of my good friends on staff, and he'll, he'll remain nameless, But he was watching the live feed of this raccoon at 2.30 in the morning. First of all, I thought, who set up a live feed? Like, who went out and got a camera and set it up and started broadcasting it over the internet so that my friend can be in the north suburbs at 2.30 in the morning looking at his phone, watching this raccoon. And he's been hounding me for a couple weeks. He's like, you got to talk about that raccoon in a message. You got to get it in there. He's like, it's a heartwarming story. So I'm throwing you a bone, okay? We just talked about it, okay? We're done. (laughs) Now, some of these things are harmless. Our lives are so weighty, and at times we just need a harmless diversion to talk about and to laugh about. But the question I have for you is this. How many times a week do you catch yourself just mindlessly scrolling through your phone? How many times a week do you go, man, I just jumped from YouTube video to YouTube video. I just spent 30 minutes on Facebook. True confession, a few weeks ago, I got to the end of the day and I had not read my Bible. And I I try to make it a goal. I don't make it every day, but I try to make it a goal to read my Bible every day because I want to spend time with God. I want him to speak into my life. But I got to the end of the day and I had not done that, but I also hadn't really been on Facebook or my phone And for some reason, before I grab my Bible, I grab my phone. And for 30 minutes, I just sat there going like this. And then it was time for bed. Sorry, God. I had a half hour for my phone. I had a half hour for Facebook. But I did not have time for you today. For some people, that's a daily occurrence. But at what cost? What are we missing out on in all of our mindless scrolling? My son Hudson uh, has, loves to snorkel. He's 10 years old, and ever since he was five years old or so, he has always just loved to put goggles on and to snorkel and look at things under the water. Now, some of you might be wondering, has your son been snorkeling since he was five years old? 
No, actually, this past year when he was 10 was the first time that he actually went real snorkeling. But when he was five years old or so, we would tell him to go take a bath, and he would put on his goggles. And he would get in the bathtub, and he would go, and then he would dive under the water. And I would come in, and I'd be like, buddy, it's time to get out of the bathtub, time to get out of the bathtub. And he couldn't hear me, because under the water, just going like this, looking around for something. There's no exotic fish in my bathtub. There's no beautiful coral reefs. There's no stingrays or eels. And so when he would come up out of the water, I'm like, what are you looking at? It's not even that big of a tub. I mean, it's just like this porcelain bottom. Like, what are you doing under there? Then this past year, we drove down to Orlando for spring break. And we went to this place that had a man-made saltwater swimming pool. And it was amazing. In this pool where you could go swimming and snorkeling, they had stingrays. And they had exotic fish. And it would drop down to 30 or 40 feet deep at certain points. And there was these beautiful coral reefs. And you could see these fish swimming down in there. And then you could swim over to this glass-enclosed tank. And there were sharks swimming in the bottom of this tank. And you would be right on the other side of the glass underneath the water looking at them. It was unbelievable. But when we got over to this pool, we didn't know what it was. You see, there were several other pools at this place. All of them looked about the same. And the other ones were just chlorine pools that you would go swimming in. So Hudson was the first one in. He put on his goggles. He got his snorkeling gear ready. He dove in the water, and he's swimming over the top of the water. 30 seconds in, he throws off his goggles. He goes, Mom, Dad, this is unbelievable. He said, a stingray just went swimming right underneath me. For a kid who had been snorkeling in the bathtub for several years. This was like the most amazing moment of his life. I wonder how many of us, for the last 11 years, ever since this device came out, have been snorkeling in the bathtub. That God has created this whole world of mountains and lakes and sunsets and birds, and there's the St. Croix River that cuts through the bluffs by Taylor's Falls. There's the endless waves off of Lake Superior crashing over the North Shore. There's sunsets of beautiful pink and yellow and red. There's hummingbirds that seem to be suspended in flight. And then God says, I'm gonna create people in my own image And there's going to be moms and dads and siblings and spouses and friends. And every one of them is going to be unique with their own quirks and characteristics. And then God says, you can talk to me, the creator of everything that you see, the one who has always been and will always be. If you're worried about something, if you need to talk about something, if you need help with something, you can come to me. And I am all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present. I do not change. And then God gives us this invitation. He says, come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There you will receive mercy and find grace to help you when you need it. To which some of us respond, 
Just a second, God. I, I'm just, let me just finish looking at these YouTube videos of these kittens. They look like they're breakdancing. It's hilarious. Just hold on a second, God. Let me just finish this game of Fortnite. I'm doing so well. Just hold on a second, God. I just want to scroll through Facebook a little bit more. Maybe there's another recipe or political video or a house that's for sale, God. Just hold on one second. And we are snorkeling in the bathtub when there's a whole world of exotic fish and coral reefs available to us. C.S. Lewis is one of the most brilliant thinkers of the last 100 years. He said it this way. He said, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, and I would add our phones, when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday or vacation at the sea. He says, we are far too easily pleased. See, I wonder if we are far too easily pleased by this little device. That if this device serves you, if it helps you, if you can find out information that you need and you can get from point A to point B, there's all sorts of ways that this can be helpful to your life. But the moment that this device starts to distract you away from what's most important, then you are in trouble. Which is why my prayer for you today has been that each of us could become digitally disciplined. Yes, it's easier to tweet than it is to pray, but we're gonna pray because that is how we experience the peace of God in our life. Yes, it's easier for us just to scroll than it is to think and to reflect, but we're gonna reflect on God's word because that's what's gonna feed our soul. I was talking to my oldest son about this message and I said, do you have any ideas of Bible verses? And he said this verse in Hebrews, which says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. If your phone is hindering your relationship with God, if it has become a distraction, if it is taking you off of the race that God has marked out for you, then you need to throw it off or at the very least, turn it off for maybe a half hour or an hour every day so that you can connect with God. We are releasing today a brand new Bible reading plan. You can find that on our website. You can find it on the Eagle Brook app. As you see, we're all about the phones as well. You can download our app. You can get the, get the Bible reading plan there. But I want to challenge every one of us this week. Spend a half hour with God. We give Facebook 50 minutes of our day. Let's at least give God 30 minutes of our day. Let's spend a moment where we can just be still and that we can know that he is God. And we don't have to wonder, we don't have to doubt, we don't have to live in feeling overwhelmed or anxious, but we can experience the peace of God because we are still and we know that he is God. Let's stand together at all of our campuses as we close in prayer. God, I think every one of us here wants to put you first in our life. And I pray that we would live that out, that we would 
be consistent with that belief by how we spend our time. And God, some of us, we just get tired and we get to the end of a long day and it's just so easy just to scroll and we think that's gonna refresh us and help us because we're tired, but God, really what fills up our soul is when we can be still and just know that you are God. God, I thank you that wherever we go, wherever we are, we can talk to you, we can be in your presence, and I thank you, God, that you have created a whole world out there of things that are meant to bring us awe and wonder and wow. And Lord, may we this week put you first in our life. May we spend time with you, and may we experience what it's like that you, the God of all of that, the one who created all of that, would speak into our life, would fill us with your love and peace. And God, I pray for anyone here today who just feels overwhelmed. They feel like the floodwaters are rising in their life. God, may they put down their phone. May they pray to you immediately. And may you answer that prayer, God. God, so desperately, some of us need your peace. The peace that the Bible says passes all understanding that the world cannot offer us. Only you can offer us that, God. And so we turn to you right now in prayer. And in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you need prayer for anything at all, come on down front. Otherwise, have a great weekend, everybody.